Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. We're excited that you joined us today. We've got another powerful and life-changing message to encourage you and bless you in your walk with Christ. Let's get right into it, and I'll get back with you shortly. Living in this world is um, not easy. Did anybody live this week? It's not a joke. The ways of this world, the culture, they're in completely opposition to the kingdom of God. And many of you live with that tension each and every day. And some of you, even this week, you've been, you've been like verbally criticized because the world does not understand the way the kingdom works. Many theologians have called it the upside down kingdom because the world says, bust your butt to be first. God says, bust your butt to be last. The world says, climb the corporate ladder. The word says, be happy serving wherever you are. So the ways of this world do not align with the principles of the kingdom. And if you are a believer and you find yourself growing comfortable in this world, something is wrong. The world doesn't understand why we forgive each other. The world thinks we're just being soft. The world doesn't understand why we love unconditionally. In the world's eyes, you know, you're in the break room and you're talking through some problems with somebody you probably shouldn't be talking to about your problems. And they look at you and they say, you need to be careful because you're going to get taken advantage of. Because they, the world doesn't understand unconditional love. The world doesn't understand why we give or bring, really, a portion of our income to the local church. Or why we should be. In the world's eyes, we're giving away money that we could be investing. In our eyes, what are we doing? We're, we are investing. The world doesn't understand why we take a stand against pornography. In the world's eyes, porn doesn't hurt anyone. They conveniently see that, don't see that the pornography industry directly fuels the human sex trafficking industry. The world doesn't understand why we offer another solution to the issues of anxiety and depression. The moment it even gets brought up that maybe there's something spiritual going on that doesn't need to be counseled or discipled but needs to be cast out. The moment we bring it up, what does the world do? Oh, that's insensitive. We are in direct opposition. The way we live should not mesh with the ways of this world. We've been called to be countercultural. First, our lives, if we're really going to be countercultural, they have to be built on truth. Not hearsay. Did God actually say? Before there is ever a temptation to violate God's word, there's always the temptation to question it. Evil spirits can't harass or torment you until you've first been deceived. Until you flung the door wide open, even though God's word literally says, keep that door shut. God's word is our source of truth. And for it to be our source of truth, believers, we have to actually open it. And I know that theoretically, philosophically, theologically, we'd all say that God's word is truth. But I just want to remind you to answer that question practically. And the answer to that question is usually found in how much dust or how much dust is not on your Bible. Or I guess in 2023, you could say, go to your little screen time recorder and uh, you'll figure out real fast what you think is the source of truth. Secondly, if we're going to be counterculture, we have to realize we are a gospel people. 
The gospel is not an admission ticket that we throw away once we're in the kingdom. We hold on to it and it begins to grow. Everything in the kingdom happens because of grace through faith. And the implications of this are life shattering. Look, hey, listen, we never stop needing grace. We, and we also, because of this, we don't have time for this. Our community is going to hell in a handbasket mentality. We don't got time for stupid social media posts about how bad Goldsboro sucks. If it sucks that bad, then you and the gospel get out on the street and start making a difference. Amen. It ain't real difficult. We don't have time to share mug shots of teenagers who are victims of this world. And that's exactly what they are. Also knowing that they, we are a gospel people, we understand that we're not trying to change the world's behavior. We're trying to see them saved. Amen. Thirdly, as ambassadors, as representatives of the kingdom, for those of you, this is your first time, I'm just doing a little recap on where we are. As representatives of the kingdom, we have the truth. Let's not allow the truth we have to be invalidated because of the way in which we share it. Truth is meant to be shared in love. Love and truth are not at odds with each other. In fact, Love requires that you are truthful and the truth requires that you are loving. Honestly, this isn't some revelational truth that we've never heard. This is the message that Jesus left us with. This was our charge. This was his instructions as found in Mark 16, verses 14 through 16. And this is in other places throughout scripture. But Jesus says that afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. So looking right there, we understand that sometimes we need to be rebuked. Can I get an amen? amen. Nobody wants to admit that though, right? But he did it out of love because of their hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into the world. There's our call. Our call is to do what? Does it say retreat? Does it say buy 500 acres in the Blue Ridge Mountains and build a big... I think we can make it work some of us. I'll never forget, I was at an FCA uh, meeting one time and, and it was at a high school and, it, and um, it, the Lord was really moving strong and this teenage girl, she comes up to the leaders and she says, guys, I don't know if this is from the Lord or not, but I just have this crazy idea. And we were like, what? And she's like, what if we bought like 60, 70, 80 acres of land and put a gigantic wall around it and created a neighborhood and we were like, that's called a cult. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing that. Let's, let's not do that. That's, that's, yeah, a lot of people started off really good and it got really bad really fast. We have been called to go into the world, but what are we supposed to do? Go into the world and blend in and don't ruffle anybody's feathers. No, we go into the world and we proclaim the, we don't proclaim good works. We don't proclaim right behavior. We proclaim the power of God unto salvation, the gospel to the whole world. And then whoever believes in is baptized. So I'm, I'm, literally, I'm just preaching about how we're supposed to live out the Great Commission. Honestly, many people stop there. They stop and say, well, there's the Great Commission. I don't know a single now, by the way, if you come from a denominational church, no offense. I, I've, I've never really been, I wasn't raised in one, so I don't know what it's like. I don't know a single denomination that teaches anything less than this as the Great Commission. 
However, I do know a lot of denominations, churches, and Christians who have conveniently forgotten the second half of the Great Commission. Verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. It says if, by the way, it doesn't say they went out and tried to find some antifreeze or some coolant and drank and were like, hey, look, praise the Lord. He can save you. He saved me from drinking it. Okay. <laughs> they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. And then the Lord Jesus, after he spoke to them, he went into heaven and he sat down at the right hand and look, look what they did. They actually believed that what he said could happen. And they went out and they preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Amen. Guys, I've heard many sermons, mainstream stuff, where the guy preaching does academic somersaults every which way to wiggle out of this. I've heard the critics. So if you are here and you are one, first of all, I love you. But you're wrong. I love you enough to tell you the truth. There is absolutely no biblical evidence that says this should have ever stopped. If we're going to use this text to drive us to evangelize the lost, to support missions work around the globe, we can't leave off the last three verses. And the first thing that is mentioned is this. They will cast out demons. Pastor Daniel, you, is this one of those churches? I sure hope it is. Why would we want to proclaim belief in a supernatural God, but then every single time he tries to do something supernatural through us, we grieve him, we quench him, we make it stop because we're afraid of, of what we'll look like in the world. What if this is exactly what the world needs? Yeah, I believe in demons. What do you think Paul was talking about when he was writing to the church of Ephesus? By the way, I'm Bible hopping today, so get ready. I'm all over the place. Ephesians 6, verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, but you're not going to really need it. It's just kind of for uh, looks. It's really... Uh, um, it's an accessory. Put on the whole, why would we have to put on the whole armor of God if there was not going to be some kind of battle? If there was not going to be some kind of fight? Why? So that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now this is the part many of us know, but I want us to stop and process it. We do not wrestle against flesh, and blood. But against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So if our wrestle is not against humans, then who is it against? Thank you so much. Verse 12. It's right there, guys. Let's stop pretending and dismissing this verse to mean some distant, untouchable evil. It is a cosmic power over this present darkness. Satan is real. He is not God's opposite, though. Let me clear that up. The definition of opposite means that you're a number on the opposite side of zero, but equal distance to it. So if I'm five steps positive five, what's the opposite of positive five? Negative, negative five. Why? By definition, it's not because you changed the sign. By definition, it's because you go back to zero five, and then you take five more. Equal value on the other side of zero. Satan is not of equal value on the other side of zero. 
Satan is real, but he is not God's opposite. He's his enemy. Demons are real. Evil spirits are real. And if you think they're not, you might be being influenced by one or a legion of them. Does anybody ever wonder how, when it comes to this new pronoun thing, my heart breaks for it, first of all. The he, the she, them, I see in the natural. The they, the them, literally recognizing yourself as multiples. We were sitting at the table and I looked at my wife and I said, I just don't understand. We were having a discussion at the table with our kids. I said, I just don't understand it. And Caitlin, just, she's just sitting there eating. She didn't even break a sweat. She said, I get it. I said, what? She said, we are many. I know a lot of us in the church, we think that people are sick, but they're not sick. They're being oppressed, tormented, influenced, and they don't need counseling. They need deliverance. They don't need someone to coddle it. They don't need someone to, to coach them. They need the same ministry that Jesus did while he was on this earth, and that is when he walked into their midst, they would shriek and he would say, come out of them. Yeah. Right. He didn't even have to say in the name of Jesus either. <laughs> in almost every place that Jesus sent out the disciples, there was also the command to cast out demons. How in the world did we ever get to a place where we talk so little about something that Jesus and his disciples handled just about everywhere they went. I'll tell you how. Because the enemy is sly. He's slick. And the Bible says we must be aware of his schemes. With regard to the reality of demons or evil spirits, same thing. There are two schemes that you're going to see through Scripture. The first one is this, ignorance. Many people just don't know it's in the Bible or have somehow glossed over those parts and have no real belief in demons. I will never forget, I was at a, a conference speaking and a, no offense again, a Baptist minister got up and in his particular Baptist denomination, he had been taught that, that demons do not exist anymore, that that is not part of the ministry of the church. And he, he literally starts off saying that. And I'm like, oh my goodness, okay, am I going to have to listen to this for 15, 20 minutes? Because I don't believe that. I'm like, man, get your pride under check. You can learn something from this guy. And literally, right after he said that, he said, I never believed it. He said, and then I went on a missions trip to Africa. And we went to a remote village. He said, and I became a believer real fast. He said, all of a sudden, my theology started shifting and the blinders began lifting to the reality that there really are cosmic powers over this present darkness. And you cannot explain everything. Everything doesn't have a physical root. Everything is not mental. So the first tactic the enemy uses is ignorance. The second one is this, fear. The irony of fear of demons is that the fear comes from the demons themselves. It's a spirit of fear. Not an emotional state of fear, a spirit of fear. That's why when we feel fear, we should tell it to go. We shouldn't try to get over it. We should say, leave in the name of Jesus. That's why I don't understand how believers can pay to be intentionally scared. Fear might seem like entertainment, but there's nowhere in Scripture where you're going to see that that is a part of the principles of the kingdom of God. It is a tactic from the enemy and he's sneaky and he's sly and it might come in the form of a movie, but it will manifest itself in a different way. We tell spirit of fear to leave. We shouldn't be welcoming it into our homes. For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of 
power of love and a self-control or sound mind. So on one hand, there is a large part of the church that doesn't believe in the demonic. And on the other hand, there is a large part of the church who would rather not talk about it because of the fear that it brings out. Now, if I were a demon, these are the schemes that I would use too. I'd want people to ignore that I was there altogether so that I could go about doing what I'm doing. And the moment they put two and two together, I would cause such paralyzing fear that they would never want to tread on that territory. If I was a demon, I would influence pastors to never speak on it. And if they did, I'd have them speak on it in a way that made them appear to be just as powerful as Christ himself. They would either keep their mouths shut or tell stories of goat heads floating around people's bedrooms. They would skip over the passages or emphasize what demons could do. If I were an evil spirit, I would hide or I would embellish my power. I would wait to attack until my victim was weak and alone. I would trick people into listening and watching satanic messages, literally singing curses over their lives. I would influence them to hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness. And I would take sin and I'd turn it into entertainment. Creating open doors or however you want to say it, legal grounds for the enemy to torment. Yes, even believers. No, I am not saying that a believer can be possessed. When you look into scripture and you begin studying that, the, the word in the Greek doesn't really even translate good into the word possessed. It really translates into had a demon. Now, if you want to distinguish between possession and oppression when we talk about this, if that's you, that's fine. But at the end of the day, there's no one who has the spirit of God that is owned by Satan or by one of his demons. But we know through Paul's example that you can have an evil spirit that attacks you constantly. If we're going to be in the world but not of it, we should expect that we would encounter the same kinds of things that Jesus and his disciples did. I want to just give you the word of God because I think that many of us, we need our faith to be bolstered in the supernatural again. Amen. I think many of us are taking the wrong weapons to the battlefield. As Pastor Barry used to say all the time, we're taking a little super soaker 100 And wondering why we keep losing the battle. In Mark 1, verse 32 through 34, we see, I'm not going to read every verse, but you can read it as I'm talking. We see here that many of the people that came to Jesus had demons and Jesus cast them out. Amen. It says, many. Over and over and over in Scripture again, you're going to see that in large groups of people, there was a lot of people there who had demons, and Jesus would cast them out. In Mark 1, 39, yet again, Jesus preached, and he cast out demons from the Galileans. In Mark 1, verses 21 through 28, while teaching in a synagogue, while people who were there, who worshiped Yahweh. We might would call them believers. Believers in a future salvation. A man with an unclean spirit confronted Jesus. And he said, why are you here, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And what did Jesus say? Shut up. And come out of him. And guess what happened as it left? 
the man convulsed, he cried out, and he came out. What do we learn from this one? That even people in church can be demonized. In Matthew 9, 32 through 33, a man who could not speak was brought to Jesus and it came out that he had a demon. Jesus cast out the demon and what did the man begin to do? He began to speak. So what do we see here? We see that demons, evil spirits, can cause physical sickness and ailments. Now, we're not, the desire is not to turn this church into a group of people that when we walk into the room and it's pitch black, we start rebuking the spirit of darkness. And walk over to the light switch and cut it on, y'all. Okay? Can I say this, though? We actually probably don't need to be concerned about that because we're nowhere close. That whole saying, Pastor Daniel, you know what Paul said? He said, don't be so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good. Well, first of all, honey, Paul didn't say that. <laughs> Secondly, we're nowhere close to being so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good. I would say this. You want to say it? We might be so earthly-minded that we are almost no spiritually good. When's the last time you whipped out that sword? When's the last time you put on that helmet and went to work anticipating and expecting a spiritual battle? I ain't gonna do a lot of preaching this morning. I'm just gonna let the word preach. Matthew 12, 22. Another man who could not speak but this one was also blind. And once the demon was expelled, the man could speak and see. In Luke 6, 17 through 19, in Capernaum, there were multiple people that were troubled by unclean spirits, and Jesus healed them. In Matthew 15, verse 21 through 28, a Canaanite woman had a daughter who was severely oppressed by a demon. And guess what? Jesus set her free. In Luke 8, 2, we're reminded of the story with Mary Magdalene. And the Bible tells us that she actually had seven evil spirits. In Mark 3, verses 10 through 12, at the Sea of Galilee, yet again, many people had evil spirits and when Jesus would pass by them, the spirits would manifest and scream through the person calling him the son of God. Now, if you're starting now, you're like, okay, I'm not ignorant anymore, but I am getting scared. <laughs> I want you to see this. The, the movie industry has turned this screaming and shrieking into something fearful. Something that evokes fear. It shouldn't evoke fear. It should make us go, that's what I'm talking about. That's my Savior. That's the one who went to the cross for my sins. Because just his very presence causes them to shriek. Causes them to cower. Causes them to genuflect. But we read it and we're like, shrieking, oh, I'm afraid. No, it's shrieking, they're afraid. And if they're afraid, we shouldn't be. In Matthew 8, verses 28 through 32, and I've not repeated any of these stories. I know many of you, um, you study the word and you know that the four gospels um, sometimes repeat each other because it's all the same story from four different dudes' perspectives, but I've not repeated any of these. You can find them in other places. In Matthew 8, verses 28 through 32, get this one. There were two men with demons. They lived in the tombs, and the Bible says they were extremely mean. It was so bad that no one could even walk that way. 
Again, the demons accused Jesus of tormenting them. Jesus cast them out of the men and he sent them into a herd of pigs. That's a whole nother story, by the way. Mean you can catch up at Starbucks one day or wherever. Matthew 17, verse 14 to 21. Catch this one. This one, this one rubs me on the inside. Demons afflicted a young boy to the point that they were calling him a lunatic. Now, some of you, you are going to leave here choking. Others of you, you're going to leave here wishing I had gone deeper and given you more. I feel like our leadership team feels like our assignment this morning is simply this is to show you what God's word has to say about the spiritual realm in hopes that you, we would stop walking into this world blind, thinking that we can afford to get up any morning of the week and not literally put on every single piece of the armor of God. They called him a lunatic. Could it possibly be that the sudden increase in mental sicknesses, could it possibly be spiritual? 100%. And again, I've told you this before. You're not talking. Uh, you're not hearing this from a guy who is saying, don't go to your doctor. Don't take medicine. I've been prescribed. I've been diagnosed with clinical anxiety. I took one pill and I felt like the top of my head was floating around in the clouds and I stopped. And someone began to pray over me and I began to see that there was a spiritual thing that was afflicting me that was causing it. And it was a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear because I still thought I could control everything and everyone in my life. It got so bad with this young man that the demons would actually cast the young man's body into the fire and sometimes into a pool of water. Now, this is, there's, one, there's, a, there's something different about this one. That rubs me the wrong way. As they were bringing the young boy to Jesus, before Jesus cast out this spirit, he first took time to rebuke everyone in the city. And he told them they were faithless and perverse. Now, I, might, I mean, if I had in there, I'd be like, hey, man, why don't you just go ahead and get to casting out this? We've seen this long enough. But I was, I was talking to Pastor Barry about that this morning. I'm like, why did he do that? Pastor Barry knows the answer to so many questions, y'all. You just got to ask him the questions. That's my job, to ask questions and let him answer them. He said, it's, it's simple. I said, how is it simple? He said, because they had seen this every single day and no one did anything about it. And I wonder why. I wonder if they didn't do anything about it because they were afraid they were going to get labeled as crazies if they tried to say that what this dude was going through was spiritual. I wonder if they were just afraid. I wonder maybe if they were just ignorant. And for those of you who want to, maybe because of prior teachings, you want to say, well, Pastor Daniel, I, I, I see on that, there's a lot of evidence, a lot of stories, but that was Jesus. Well, go to the book of Daniel. This is pre-Jesus. And Daniel fasts for how many days? 21. But why does he fast and pray? Because there was an evil spirit, a principality, that was holding up a messenger of God. That's pre-Jesus. These stories are Jesus. And now 
Let's look at a story after Jesus in Acts 16, verses 16 through 18. Paul says, as we were, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. her owners much gain by fortune telling. And I'll just point out something real fast. That's a real good way to open the door to evil spirits. The horoscope, any cultic type stuff. I, and I, I literally, look, I've, I've, I've been in counseling before and I have had a young man look at me and say, Pastor Daniel, we went and saw a fortune teller, and oh my goodness, they were so accurate. And I said, oh my goodness. He said, do you think it was a scam? I said, nope. He said, there's no way no one would have known this about my dad. And my dad is dead. Simultaneously, though, he was also explaining to me that he was having this huge issue with fear. So we see right out of the gate that there was a slave girl. She had a spirit of divination, and it brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. It was not fake. It was real. Anybody remember? When Moses went and challenged Pharaoh, you know what I mean? And, and, and what does he do? He casts down his staff and it turns into a what? And then what do Pharaoh's peoples do too? They could do the same thing. If, if you're going to take one thing away, take this away. How did we get to a place where we can sing songs and believe in our hearts that God can do these supernatural things, but that the enemy is just some little, not surprised. And I'm not even playing. Not even playing. Just the other night, we were talking about this at, at the table. My kids were locked in. I went to quote a verse. Now, some of y'all might think I'm noodles after this, but it's all right. One of my kids sneezed, and I stopped. I waited like 10 seconds. I went to read the verse again. Sneeze, sneeze, sneeze. I was starting to get mad. No, there's a... Part of this message is not so that you will believe. It's so that you will understand that we are attacking people many times when we should be telling the spirit that is tormenting them to get off of them in the name of Jesus. I went to say the verse again. One of my other kids sneezed. I'm like, what in the... I'm looking at Katie and Katie's going. I went again to talk. One of my kids yawns. And this time I waited, Jay, I waited like over a minute to say anything. Open my mouth again. Dogs start barking. And I'm like, uh, I didn't know what Pastor Steve, I, I was like, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. Right now in Jesus' name, whatever's here or trying to happen, you got to leave right now in Jesus' name. You know what? I would rather be accused of being crazy and living in freedom been sitting here and trying to talk somebody through something that they need to be delivered from. All I need is my Bible and a good therapist. I'm look, there's room for therapy in the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? There's room for counseling in the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? There is room for someone to walk us through the unrepentant areas of our life where the enemy is gaining legal ground and open doors 
to come in and toward us. There is room, but there comes a time and a place when the things that you're experiencing don't line up. And we don't need counseling at that point. We need deliverance. We don't need to have it coddled. We need someone to come alongside us and say, in the name of Jesus, take your hands off my child. Take your hands off my mind. Take your hands off my marriage. The Bible says, this young lady followed Paul around and she continued to cry out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, again, you might be thinking like, that's creepy. But it reminds me that we have nothing to fear. That even the demons are subject to the name of Jesus. That when they got, some of us are scared. Pastor Daniel, if we, uh, wait, which way is our church? Are we, are we about to start experiencing this on Sunday mornings? I hope so. Well, Pastor Daniel, I heard you don't change the uh, oil in the showroom. Well, this ain't a showroom. This is a hospital. And it gets messy. And sometimes it don't look good. But I have faith to believe I have faith to believe that the same God who can set us free through the name of Jesus is the same God who can preserve a first-time guest who doesn't understand what's going on until the Spirit of the living God reveals to them because He is the Spirit of truth what is happening. So yes, this is exactly where we're headed. That the same chains they used to bound people up are gonna be the chains that they come out of deliverance wielding against the enemy himself. That we're gonna see more stories where people are completely set free who were, who were being oppressed by spirit of death. That we're gonna see and hear more stories that people who had a spirit of despair, they traded it in for for praise, they traded it in for worship, they traded it in for the spirit of joy. That we start living in the freedom that we have been promised. So this girl is crying out. These are men of the most high God. They've been, they proclaim to you the way of salvation. And the Bible says she kept doing this for many days. And the Bible says, Paul, having become greatly annoyed. Now in the original language, you could say it, Paul, having become extremely grieved, distressed, bothered, frustrated, he turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. And this is how I'm concluding today. It's time for us to get annoyed again. To stop turning our head to the way, the woes of the world and the issues of the world and the issues that people are coming into our church and living among us and we see them struggling. We've given them the Word of God. They've had counseling. They've had therapy. They've tried every single thing that they know to do, but yet they're still being tormented. And I think it's time for us to stand up as a church, not just your pastor, and say, you know what? I'm annoyed. I'm grieved by it. I'm distressed by it. And at the risk of being called a bunch of crazies. Let's see some people get set free. Like delivered. Set free. Our founding pastor used to say something. He said, you can't cast out the flesh. But you also can't discipline a demon. You got to tell it where to go. 
to leave in the name of Jesus. I want you to stand up with me right now. And this is how we're gonna end today. If we're going to believe in the Great Commission, if it's gonna drive our activity, we have to believe the whole thing. We're to go into the world, we're to take the gospel, but in his name, while we're taking the gospel, we will cast out demons, we will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And guess what? We will go to dangerous places and not be harmed. We will encounter danger. So as a church, I'm going to ask you to do this. If you're ready for this, because this is where we're headed. As our founding pastor used to say, like it or lump it. I don't know what that means, but I love saying it. This is where we're headed. I don't think I can bear to be up here and preach one more Sunday seeing, seeing people in chains, knowing that we have the solution. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, this is going to rub against the culture. This is going to rub against the ways of the world. We are a supernatural people. It is time we started believing it again. I want to ask you if you'll do this right now. Step out of your seat and come up here and say, Pastor Daniel, I'm ready. Let's go. Will you step out of your seat right now and you say, I'm ready. I believe. I'm ready to see people set free. I'm tired of people being wrapped up. I may not understand it, to be quite frank, but I believe what the Word of God says. I believe that in the name of Jesus, we have been given all authority. Now, this is what we're going to do, church, as a whole. Come on. Yeah. Now, we're going to pray a pretty bold prayer. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? We're going to pray a pretty bold prayer. We're going to pray. And we're, hey, y'all listen to me real quick. Here we go. Let's stop the conversations for just a second. Let's listen. We're going to pray a pretty bold prayer. We're going to ask Holy Spirit to lead people to this church that need deliverance. And we're not going to be surprised when they roll in the doors. We're going to be excited. We're going to ask Holy Spirit to begin to reveal to us if we're in need of deliverance. If we're in need of having the name of Jesus spoken over us because of an unrepentant area of our lives. Now we're going to follow up. We'll do some more teachings on this at a later time. <clears throat> but I'm looking at a group of people who are hungry to see people set free. A group of people that don't want to play church. I know who you are. I know not everybody can fit in this altar. A group of people who really want to get down to business. And so I want to remind you, the enemy's going to attack through ignorance. But if he can't get you through ignorance, then what's going to happen? Fear. Last night, I woke up about eight times. And every single time I woke up, this was, the, this was the message I kept hearing in my head. Don't tell them we exist. The first time it happened, I woke up and I went to start singing something about the name Jesus. It is the... Okay. I tried to sing it and I couldn't get it out of my mouth. And so I'm like, in and then all of a sudden, man, I started getting this, like, I knew they were real, but man, crazy fear, like paralyzing fear, like fear about my kids. It was just coming in out of nowhere. And then I said, in my mind, I'm like, Holy Spirit, I, I, I just got to say the name Jesus. And all I said, Jesus, and immediately, boom, the whole thing just broke. So the enemies, he ain't going to be tickled pink about us revealing him. 
Hold on one second. But hear this. When you begin to notice or see the manifestations of it, don't think that we have done something to make them be here. We've just revealed that they were here the whole time. As we go through a season of opening up closets and cleaning underneath the rugs, don't be too alarmed at what you find. All right, let's lift our hands to heaven right now. Lord, we ask you right now as a church, first of all, there's any unrepentant area of our lives, any area of our lives that we have yet to yield to you, any part of our our lives, God, that we have not fully given you permission to rule and reign. Right now, God, we ask you that you would show us. Come on, church. Ask him to show you. Some of us need to repent. Some of us need to repent. We need to start repentance this morning because there are areas of our life that we have not fully submitted to the Lordship of Christ. So God, we submit these areas of our lives to you. We submit our definition of sexuality to you. We submit any bitterness or unforgiveness that we have to you right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you enjoyed today's message, we want to encourage you to join our Facebook online community. Search for Bethel Church Online for more great content from our pastors and leaders here at Bethel. Join us next week for another inspiring message.